Because you are the host of a romance novel podcast called Not Safe for Work Romance or an SFW romance. Uh, I usually say the whole thing when we talk yeah. about it. It's just shorter to write NSFW. Yeah, it's just, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and you also are a romance author yourself. Yes. You write... Uh, I, I was looking through your like your your website. Like, it's a mess. Books. <laughs> I just kept like going like, mm, okay, that's on my TBR now, and then um, t- also that one is on my TBR Aww. now. Like it's like so many good books that Aww. I want to read, and I absolutely am gonna get to eventually uh, when uh, you know I have more time for self care than I do currently. I got excited looking at your website as well, and then I'm like, where are the buy links? And then I go, it's all currently querying this. I'm like, oh, I need this series right now. I need it tomorrow. <laughs> I did yeah, not realize that's... it was not out yet. Yeah, it's the rough. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know if I, I actually redid my website recently, and I don't think any of my current listeners have ever actually looked at my personal website. It's very clean. So I it's a very pretty website. Thank mine's, you. Mine's just a like, labyrinth of too much stuff. Yours is like nice and like smooth and clean, which is nice. Well, you also have like way more stuff to put on there than I do. So at a certain point, like, I'm like, okay, how do I make the most out of the limited stuff I have to put on my website? Looks good. Looks good. Um, thank you. Thank you. If, uh, listeners, you want to check that out, it's Abigail K. Kelly. Yes, there are two Ks. Yes, I'm sorry. Um, and you can see what I am working on. I have a couple of my current projects on there for, I don't know some reason to have stuff on there if anyone's ever curious i i say i write about gross romance and people are probably like oh she writes about i don't know like casper what? and stuff but oh, oh, okay I, fir- I first i thought you said gross romance and i was like what's wrong with that <laughs> i got you Ew, Ghost. kissing books Ew. like who you gonna call got it <laughs> yes exactly um but we're not here to talk about that we're here to talk about you and your new <laughs> book the mortal coil yeah which I think, like, would appeal to so many people who listen to this podcast, because I got a lot of fucking nerds. <laughs> I, I, I am a nerd. Well, I think that's something that most of my <laughs> guests have in common. I found my people. It took me until I was a grown adult, but I found my people. <laughs> yeah, it happens that way. It, it Yeah. Um, but before we get into any of that and the cool stuff you're doing and the the dope book that I read, um, we're going to talk about you a little bit. So I have a question that I always ask new guests on the podcast, and it's a deceptively simple question, but like has a myriad of answers with many, many different shades of uh, people's histories that you can sprinkle on there. And that is, how do you feel about romance novels? Uh, that is a good, that's a good question. Um, Yeah, you're right. There's so many layers. I'm like, just pick somewhere, pick somewhere and start answering this question. Um, I mean, obviously I write them, so I like them. Mm -hmm. Um, I have said in in a couple other places, I mean, I've I've said on my own podcast too, like I did not start out as a romance novel reader. I kind of came to, I, I actually did not really start reading much romance until after I started writing it. So I've, a lot of times I feel like an outsider in the genre. Like, I've always been a romantic. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, uh, you know, mm-hmm. watching a TV series or a movie, even if it's not a romance, there'll be characters I'm shipping. I'm like, oh, please, oh, please, let the, let these two idiots get together um, and then feel very ripped off when the writers have chosen not to do that, which I could talk about later. Yeah. But um, 
So, you know, I, again, I am a romantic. I just came to it much later. Like I was always a fantasy sci-fi, like kind of nerdy, you know, like the closest I would say is probably like I read a lot of Anne Rice, uh, you know, as a teenager and young adults. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I, I don't not read her now. I just have read most of the stuff I'm interested in. I've got complicated feelings. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but but that was what drew me in. Like, I liked that when yeah. you read her stuff, there's so much historical research involved that, like, that made me very excited. Yeah. It wasn't just, I'm just making some stuff up. It was like, oh, you could tell this person went and did all their reading. So, like, the nerd in me was excited. Um, oh, so, yeah. again, like I said, I feel like I came to this late. And so I don't have as as many years of, like, reading all variety of romance novels and stuff to to inform my opinion, but uh, being immersed in the kind of romance sphere, I don't know, I'm sure there's a better portmanteau than that, but um, the last the last few years, I mean, I definitely look at it from a feminist perspective. Like I, I get angry on behalf mm-hmm. of uh, women just as a genre, since most romance writers are women, not all. I mean, literally the, uh, the guy who I host my podcast with is a romance writer who is a dude, so. You know, yeah. they're, they're out there, just, but it's mostly women. And, it, you know, I get my hackles get up based on the fact that a genre that is mostly written by women and for women is always the, the genre that gets poo-pooed, you know, as it's not real literature or whatever. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, so I, I definitely feel like it has a necessary place. I, and it also has a necessary place as entertainment reading, just as much as any other genre people are entertained by, you know, people that read mystery or horror or whatever they're makes them happy to read mm-hmm. wanting to read about relationships and getting a happy ending that's just as valid a form of entertainment as anything else so i do get i do get uh, spicy when people act like there's no value yeah. to this i'm like maybe you personally don't need or want this type of entertainment but lots of people do and then and of course i usually you know smart acidly drop the you know bomb of oh by the way it sells way more than all the other genres of fiction so <laughs> yeah <laughs> I'm, yeah how's how's lit fic doing hold on hey real fast how's your lit fic doing right how's that right, right. <laughs> and i noticed too the books i have that are more fantasy gear don't sell as much like i have a fantasy series there's romance in it uh there, yeah. and there's definitely gonna be agas for those people but i you know it it does not move you know the units yeah <laughs> <laughs> Not to be yeah. too gross and capitalistic about it, but it just, it just, the five, the well, five I mean, people who like it really like it. <laughs> I mean, that's, that, it's, it is, it's, on one hand, it's like, yes, this is a passion mm-hmm. that we have and people who love romance love it. On the other hand, it is still a business. And if we're, and if you're going to treat it like it's something that is uh, not worth the, like, artistic merit that people give it, <laughs> so few people give it, but do, um, then at least you need to acknowledge the fact that as a business, romance is like, it's like a third of the chunk of the the yeah. money pie of publishing. And no one wants to talk about that outside of romance because, I don't know, they get all you know, up in, up in their business about it. But it's true. I mean, if you admire it for nothing else, you need to acknowledge its place in driving people to read and purchase books like it is romance that's keeping that's like subsidizing the rest it, of publishing really and romance readers are voracious like i don't mm-hmm. i i mean if i sit down to read i do read fairly quickly i mean probably not as fast as some people but fairly quick and even i like i hear about people that are reading like a book a day and i'm just like yeah that's about what i how do. do girl how you have time 
I don't have time to breathe around here. Like, I, I am surprisingly <laughs> not well-read compared to a lot of other of my author friends. Because I'm just like, how do y'all have time? I, I, I just don't even have time to breathe. Well, <laughs> to a certain extent, I mean, I refer to it as a serotonin drip. Because it's like, if, it, if I don't read that frequently, if I cut it down to, like, a couple of books a week, I start getting, like, really cranky about it. Like, I, I'm not getting that good rush of, of you know, happy chemicals I, I, I that feel, I get I feel that. I have, I, have, I have depression, good times, mental health, mm-hmm. I have ADHD. So I feel that because if I don't get my, my little dopamine feed from stuff, I it's bad. <laughs> Yeah. So. Yeah. And so I think like to a certain extent, it's really easy to develop a sort of dependence on the comfort of reading romance novels consistently. And because I mean, it's a luxury that we can do that simply because there are so many romance novels out there. You will never, ever run you, out you of romance not. novels to read. And any niche, um, any not, niche even if you, you want, want to. It's there. It exists. I have, I've said it on the podcast before, um, my biggest regret when I started this podcast was that I decided that I was going to chronicle every subgenre within romance. That's so many. That's so many. <laughs> That's so many. And it's so varied. I mean, there's just some people that only read, you know what I mean? There's some yeah. people that I'll see, I'm in, you know, a bunch of different book groups and I'll see people looking for recommendations of stuff and they're like... They only want to read contemporary. That's it. Like, they don't want to see any urban fantasy. They don't want to see any of that kind of nerd mm-hmm. stuff. Like, you know, mm-hmm. I'm not... That's totally fine. You know what I mean? And there's... Yeah, whatever. Other folks are like, don't... I don't want to see this. Or they're, they're, People are very niche. It's interesting to me. Yeah, people develop really highly specific, uh, like, proclivities yeah. towards yeah. different subgenres of romance. And we all have, like... I, I experienced this recently because um, I'm, as you said earlier, I'm querying a... Uh, paranormal romance novel and it is enemies to lovers and that's a pretty popular subgenre or at least trope i should say it's pretty popular it's, it's one of my favorites to write <laughs> it's a, it's a good one but there's a there's a really like permeable like line there that a lot of people have where if you have like an enemies to lover situation some people like if you make them too much enemies if you put too much yeah. animosity there's like you never know when you're going to cross that line into them being like oh they're unlikable i can't they can't yeah, be with that person yeah. and i and I, um, I will i will go pretty hard on that line because i do i do yeah like it's, it. and it's yeah but you never know what's going to hit one person i exactly. i submitted to a um to an editor recently who who requested it and and they were like i love enemies to lovers and then the one piece of feedback i got was mm, you wrote him as too much of a villain you did it too well mm-hmm. i couldn't see him ending up with her and i was like well okay that's yeah. all right that's fine i guess i'll just go cry in a corner i don't know and then I, some I, of that's I, probably why i've decided i've self-published i have a couple books out with a small publisher but i mean that and that's i yeah you know and there's no universe this is going to happen because i would have to be querying people but unless i got offered some like redonkulous advance somewhere i that's why i've self-published because i just want to write what i want to write you know what i mean and i don't want to have to like wait for a gatekeeper to be like this is not going to sell or what because it does sell i just i am the one who has to go out and find the people who like it but I, I seem yeah. to be able to do that okay, so. <laughs> yeah, and with how publishing is changing, it's a, it's definitely a conversation that more and more people are having because it's it's um, 
it's an extremely subjective business at the best of times. And we're at the literally the worst of times. This is the worst possible time to try and be publishing traditionally um, because of various reasons. As a bookseller, I encounter every day where the paper shortage that is making it so they're printing so, so, so few books, which is why, hey, we're coming up on the holiday season. If you want to get books for people for Christmas or Hanukkah or whatever the hell, um, y'all need to order them now because everything is back ordered. Everything you could think of is backordered. I did They're not just know not that. Printing I will the books. make sure I tell people that. Honestly, it's going to be really, really, it's going it's to be apocalyptic, frankly. I mean, the, the what's happening is we had a paper shortage that started way before the pandemic. And there are like four factories in Europe that create, that actually bind books. So um, there was a paper shortage there before the pandemic. The pandemic hit. They then had a personnel shortage mm. because of COVID. Um, and everything got messed up. We know that the supply chain got super messed up for a lot of things. On top of that, we also had the ripple effect of people canceling book releases. Um, and so everything kind of went to press again at the same time when people were like, well, COVID's not ending. So we just better publish these books that we were holding back. Um, so the, the publishers then decided that they were going to only print the amount of books that they thought would sell, mm. which is like, you can't, you don't know what's going to sell. Really and they're well. always and like actuaries know. are like super conservative about what they think is going to sell or how many, like uh -huh. they, they're not ambitious. Uh -huh. I'm sure their authors are like, are... Hey, thanks guys. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, pretty much, right? And then they, like, so they only print the really, really few. And so that means they weren't prepared when, like, books hit it off really well and became secret hits, right? Um, or surprise hits. So all of that is just going to get worse over the holidays. What I'm saying is I'd say one in every four or five books that I go to order for somebody at my bookshop is backordered. Um, so go with God. <laughs> That's gonna you know, be fun just, in retail, like having to tell people, oh, by the way, this is back or like just constantly having to yeah, tell people that. Constant, constant, constantly. And and they they will say, like, oh, we have a thousand copies coming in, but they won't give us any estimated date. So it's like next week, two months from now, maybe never. Who knows? Um, and they'll be like, well, this is a book that was just in the New York Times book review. I don't understand why they wouldn't print more. And it's because they didn't bet on it. Yeah, you're like, I don't have time to give you the 20-minute lecture on why they don't have it, but I'm just telling they don't have it. <laughs> what do you know about the factories in I know. What do you know about the lumber shortage? <laughs> yeah. How do you... Do you know that they recycle books? Do you know how long of a process that takes? <laughs> um, but, uh, yes, all of that to say that this is this is a time when publishing books is as hard as it has probably ever been. <laughs> Um, that, that is not even going into the fact that agents are not taking on new clients and that publishers are, there are only like four big publishing houses now and they're slashing advances. So like even getting a book to them is, is a feat in and of itself. So there's a whole lot going on. So the self-publishing route now is more mainstream than it has ever been for reasons that are not only because publishing, traditional publishing itself is a mess is because like you said the control you have of not having like somebody be a gatekeeper and knowing that you can find your own audience if you can work at it um that is incredibly powerful um my i've talked about it on the podcast before but my uh my guess is that very quickly here we're gonna see a much faster snatching of uh successful self-published authors by uh, traditional publishing houses because they won't have to do the work yeah. to build up an audience yeah. for them. 
Um, and we've already seen that with Ruby Dixon, personally. Right. She just she just got uh, two of her her books that have been out for forever um, picked up because she went viral. I see. So, I see all of her uh, alien romances floating around. Love that crazy broad. Yeah, I, see, I love Ruby. I, see, I feel like her. I need to read some of her books. Like I see that's why I'm saying I'm like I see all these authors and I want to read all these books and I'm like mm-hmm. one of those just people who's just perpetually overwhelmed with tasks and responsibility. So it's like I always go, "Oh, I want to do this. I want to do that." And then the workaholic part of me is like, "You can do that when you're done with your responsible stuff." But the problem is the yeah. responsible stuff does not ever get done. So it it's like I, the most stuff I'm reading lately is like beta reading stuff for my buddies. And I like it, but a lot of times I just don't get around to the, yeah. all the things I want to read. I mean, I realize problem of everybody, but like, I feel, I feel like I'm way out of the loop. Like, I feel like I should have read way more stuff. I don't think, honestly, I read almost a book a day mm-hmm. and I still don't feel like I am well read in the genre. So you know, like the like like I said, I'm querying. And if, for those of you who don't know, one of the things when you query is you're sending basically a business proposal with a sample of your book to an agent. And in that business proposal, you're supposed to then include comparable titles, mm. um, and they're called comps. And with you, <laughs> I I've read hundreds of books in the past couple of years and a lot of them are paranormal a lot of them are are urban fantasy you know which is the genre i write in and you'd be like yeah abigail of course you must have so many comps to pick from to put in your query (laughs) i could not like i can think of maybe one (laughs) which on one hand is cool because like you're doing something different but i know how the publishers get about something different so uh it's not it's not uh, as marketable as we were right right well i let me tell you i'm gonna at least read the first one because I saw your description and I was about, thank you. And I was in, like, uh, you, you know, your description of the 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 first book is the. I'm trying to remember the name of the whole series, not just one book. That's they all start with the same. Uh, letter, I know so they're all the undone. Yes. <laughs> My memory's terrible. So by the, the <laughs> so the the um the series called the unquiet, the unquiet and thank then you. the thank you. The, the first book is called The Unwhole. Um, and I will say, honestly, at this point, with how publishing is, I am already opening up a Patreon soon um, to put my serialized fiction up and to put, like, short stories and stuff. But if if things don't go mm-hmm. the way I want them to go in the next year, then those books are definitely going out. So they're not going to just Yeah, you're like, I, I need, to, I need um, to eat food like yeah yeah i've sat on a lot of manuscripts for a while at this point i'm like fuck it yeah but i'm like so i read i was reading all the descriptions of them and like i was saying Mm -hmm. uh earlier i don't know if we were recording yet that i was like where is the bio like i thought it was out so i'm like why does she have no buy links on her website what is going on someone tell her to put buy links and then i was like okay querying (laughs) got it okay so now i'll just have to stalk your website and see what's going on with that but uh, so I was very excited about the description of this because I actually am a spiritualist, like a practicing. Oh, what? Yeah, so I was like, I want to see what she did. Like, don't worry, I'm not going to be like, oh, you're, you know, treating it wrong. Or, Listen, <laughs> the media says all kinds of weird stuff about what I believe in. So I don't even. Yeah. It's fine. It's entertainment. You know what I mean? But I was yeah. I was excited about that. I mean, I have I have elements of some of that sneaking into some of my books, but I it's, the book isn't about that. But I very blatantly have some of the things I believe in there. Uh, yeah. So it, I was excited. <laughs> oh, that's wonderful. That's so funny because I, I, I definitely wanted to go out of my way to make sure that I'm never like making fun of anything. Sure. Like I, and I, I could tell from def- your descriptions that you weren't that you were like I'm gonna just take this premise and make the whole meta be this, and I thought that was really cool. 
Yeah, I just, you know, I love myself in alternate history. I love that. Um, I, I love historical mysteries. And I love the idea of, you know, tweaking one little thing and, and the entire world changing because of the it. The what and if. So if if that what if is, what if we could all talk to ghosts and everyone knew about yeah. it? How would our entire world change? Exactly. Um, so that's the premise of my stuff that you cannot read yet, you out in the podcast world. Sorry. But, yes. you know, you can read. You can read the mortal coil. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, yes, it's time. So, um, you, when you got in contact with me, um, you mentioned that, like, you thought that I might like your books because I have been known once or twice on this podcast to talk about mythic retellings. Yes. Um, and of course, that same day that you contacted me, I had actually just put your book in my in my cart um, because I was like, Medusa? Hello. I was very, I was so stoked to write about Medusa. I was like, <laughs> it is time. I mean, there, um, it's not the only Medusa book on the market, but I mean, I... No, but yours is I started very, planning like... this book in 2014, 15. Mm-hmm. So it, but I just am a very slow writer. So I didn't start yeah. writing it until like 2018 uh, mm-hmm. and finished this summer. But I, there was pauses to write it. There's anthologies and stuff. I stopped. It's also, hey, you wrote a long book. It, it's not a short book. It was book. not supposed to be that long. I have, I have probably author friends I should probably list. They're like, you should split that into three books. And I'm like... I, that's a whole side thing. But uh, anyway, it's, yeah. it's long. It was not supposed to be that long, but there was not originally supposed to be a Minotaur and some other stuff. So, <laughs> you know, you know, if it just casually throw in a Minotaur, yeah, right. you know, just for flavor. <laughs> right. No. So you um, you you wrote a, a mythic retelling that I didn't realize, actually, that it's the second in a series. Now, the first one was about Hades and Persephone. Yes. yes? And they're standalones. The so house. you could, you know. You could just read the Mortal Coil, and yeah. you, if you didn't read the other one, it doesn't really matter. There's a couple kind of Easter egg, oblique references to the other book in there, but it's not mm-hmm. crucial. Like, you're, it's, you're not missing anything. So I'm curious about what made you want to write a mythic retelling. Like, what brought you to your very specific brand of these retellings? Because everyone has a different take, a different tenor to how they change the myths. And I'm, I'm very curious about yours. Um, okay, well, I will say that just for a kind of summary statement, the, there's supposed to be, there'll be a third book in the series. And then as far as I know, mm-hmm. there's just going to be the three books. Like, mm-hmm. I don't have intents to write more of them uh, unless something really just bites me. Um, yeah. So the kind of connecting premise of the three books is that they're all kind of like, you know, mythological canon is like the tabloid version of what happened, but I'm going to tell you what really happened. You know what I mean? Before yeah. it got all changed. What The nitty gritty. Right, right. So, uh, and so some of, you know, if you read the books, you'll find that a lot of stuff is very much exactly elements that happened in very, and again, even canon, there's no one version. There's all different people, poets writing things down at different points of history. So, and I've been, play, I've played fast and loose with what I've cherry picked from to use um, but yet also there's a lot of times where I've taken stuff and I'd be like, okay, this part I'm completely subverting or doing something else with. Sorry, to, sorry to tell you, which I, the mortal coil, obviously, because it, <laughs> canon is not a, not a romance between Medusa and Perseus uh, at all. <laughs> no, it's not. So it was not, it was bad times, which we can go back to. So that's, yeah. that's kind of the, the, the theme. So the first book in the series, The Eighth House, um, the original version of that was actually the first thing I ever wrote. Like the first, oh, 
Dang. the first long form anything. Like I don't yeah. have, my degree is in fine arts, which is super useful. So I had a lot of retail jobs and then office jobs and graphic design and stuff. So another thing we have in common, <laughs> you and me were honest. Like I'm a really good oil painter, which like, it, not the most graduated skill I can like attest the mid-2000s. to. There's no social media. There's no self-marketing. It's like, if you don't know people in the industry, like good luck making any money. So whatever. I had normal jobs. I had to live and eat. Um, mm-hmm. And so I, I wish I had some like high-minded, you know, I, I, reason that I started doing this, like some, you know, uplifting, I don't know, some deeper meaning. And I hate to say that, that it was not, it's very shameful. Um, so right, it's not it's not shameful, but I think other people will be like, eh, they're a little disappointed. Um, so if, I want to say at about the height height of the Fifty Shades banana, like when it was just everybody yeah. in there, every every book club, you know, and I've not read it, so don't ask me any questions about Fifty Shades because I don't know. <laughs> it, it was going crazy, yeah. and at the time, yeah. I worked for a company that sold uh, adult novelty. It was like wholesale. So it just it just that. me in a warehouse full of dildos. Um, so I was, Beautiful. and at the time I was- Every girl's dream. Right, right. At the, it was a fun workplace because the jokes, it's ridiculous. Um, so in the time I was in purchasing, and so all the new samples, all the stuff that we were going to get came through my desk. And so at a certain point, the owner was like, we didn't sell a lot in the way of books, but because it was selling so much, he's like, we're going to sell the Fifty Shades books, just write it while it's making money. So it's on my desk. I'm like, every, so I'm like, I'm gonna crack this book open, right? And like, see what's just random sample. And I was reading some random samples. And I mean, listen, we've all got our opinions and preferences. It wasn't for me. Like, I don't, it yeah. just it, forget even the sex scenes. Like I really didn't get that far into it. It was just the writing style was not for me. Like, that's fine. Yeah. Everything's not for, my writing style is not for everybody too. I'd probably, trust me. Um, I very much like your prose, thank but you. yes. Um, but I've had some people be like, it's, it's too, I don't know what, like too heavy, too complicated. Uh, anyway, the point being, I was, that was kind of in my head. And uh, at the time I was, you know, entertainment for my own purposes, entertainment reading a lot on the infamous literotica.com where all the mm-hmm. dirty smut hangs out. Um, and, and like, yep. I, I just was like, you know what? I think I could do better than this. Like maybe, I don't know, maybe that was, hubris, maybe that was ego, but I was just like, I'm going to just try to write something. I'll just put it up on this free site and probably everybody will tell me that it's terrible and rip me down because let me tell you, if you, so I started writing on there and if you don't have a thick skin, that site will give you one because people can comment and it's not like Amazon where you have to have bought it or have an account, spent $50, just any random person can comment and people are mean. (laughs) So, so anyways, I, I'm like, whatever, I put it up. The original version was like half the size it is now. And it did really well. I was astonished. I could, I was like, Re- really? It like won an award that month. It like got the top number of votes or whatever. And I was like, it was just uh, taking the cork out. It was it. That's it. I was, that's it. I'm yeah. writing. I can't stop. It's over. And so then I, I, I just kept going from there. I mean, I wrote other books after that. A couple, two, three more things were on that site, but they weren't, you know, they're all fully, they're novels. It wasn't like, oh, here's. Yeah. 5,000 words of smut and that's it. I mean, I have some stuff like that, but. <laughs> um, I mean, don't. So I wish, I wish it was more high-minded than that. It was, I, I, I was like, I know I like, you know, I'm like, I want to write like a bad boy romance. Okay. I'm like, well, who's the baddest mm-hmm. bad boy I can think of? And I'm like, well, the Lord of the Dead. I mean, and I will say as a spiritualist, I have a lot of focus on like 
in my life in general, like I think about death in the afterlife a lot. So like, that's just yeah. part of the stuff I think about. And uh, I'm sorry, I'm such a weirdo, but um, I, I'm also, uh, I, I haven't since I moved to where I live in Arizona now, cause I live in the sticks. But when I lived in Southern California, I was a practicing astrologer. So I have all this mm -hmm. background of like, there's, there's a lot of the mythology as part of that. And so yeah. uh, this is just all part of my interests. So the, the, the Pantheon, all that stuff. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to do Hades and Persephone. And, and that's, mm -hmm. that is what happened. And I was super interested in it to begin with, but yeah, I wish I, like, I wish I had a, a more fun explanation than I wanted to see if I could write anything. <laughs> Honestly, I mean, I'm, I'm very much the same way in terms of like, I, I just go with whatever tickles me. And if that is, you know, writing an alternate universe where everyone's a spiritualist and everyone knows what happens after you die and there are like government institutions that like monitor and license mediums that's and awesome. stuff. And that's just, yeah, you're you getting know, me like, more excited by the minute about this series. Oh, oh darn. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> no, like then then that's just what I'm gonna write. If I wanna write a ghost story, I'm gonna write a ghost story. It's not doesn't have to be high-minded. I think I think of most people, if you start out with something high-minded, like this big, like, I'm going to rewrite the myths, and it's going to be something that no one has ever seen before. Right, right. Like, you're already misstepping, because, like, there's no way that's possible. Right, and, and I just go with the, I just want to write what I want to read. So I wrote a story yeah. I wanted to read, and I, I went all out with it. It was ridiculous. Like, there's, some, there's some ridiculousness in The Eighth House, which is the Hades Persephone book. Um, it, I love that. In, in I the love final that. version that's on Amazon now is uh is twice the length of the original one because when I decided to yeah. revise it, I was like, I feel like this this plot is very linear and it's very chock full of sex. I didn't take any of the sex out, but I just there was some other elements to kind of like make the plot a little more a little. Uh, interesting. A little you know, there's some you know some side things going on just so it's not just kind of one straight and narrow, obviously. Here's Hades, Persephone, they yeah. get together, they like each other, there's a tiny conflict, the end, it was, so. The original, the, the new version's longer and I do like it more, but. I, I then, think it's interesting too, that you didn't just decide to retell the myths. I think a lot of mythic retellings at the moment are, um, they play, they go the safe route in that they typically take the myths and they put them in the modern day. Yeah, I um, don't to make them more accessible. I, and to I readers. think those are, you didn't I think do those that. Those are cool. I just, I just didn't want to. Like, I like yeah. the idea. I mean, stuff like the Eighth House takes place almost entirely on like it, it, in the universe. I just refer to it as the Deathless Plane on in the the Plane of Immortals. So there's very there's like a couple of scenes that happen on like normal the Plane of Earth Man whatever. Uh, but most of it is in the realm of gods and goddesses. So I, you know, that's, it's almost fantasy. Like I tell people, you don't have to, if you don't know anything about mythology, it's okay. Like if you could read a fantasy novel, that's fine. You don't have yeah. to know what this myth is. If you know what it is, cool. You can see all the Easter eggs of what I changed or what is really in there. But, and mm -hmm. I say the same thing to people with the moral quill. Like if you know about the myths, you can like compare and contrast and have fun with all that stuff. But if you don't, it'll work as a fantasy novel. You know what yeah. I mean? Absolutely. But no, I, Absolutely. I like ancient world stuff. Like, I like entertainment that's set in that air. Like, I like, you know, the movies, the TV shows. Like, I was a big fan of that uh, show Spartacus. Like, I mean, okay. I definitely picked up on that. So when I was reading The Moral Coil, I was like, I one thing I really, really liked about it was how 
gritty it was, how very much grounded in sort of, you felt, it didn't feel like a fantasy so much as it felt like there were fantastical elements seamlessly integrated into a very real, dirty, packed, populated world. That makes me so happy. Um, Like, you don't even, I have like goosebumps right now from being so happy to hear that. It was gorgeous. I loved it. I was so surprised by it because I've I've read like a ton of mythic retellings. One of my good friends, Amalia Dillon, writes those. Love her. Hey, Amalia, you're doing great, baby. I love listened you. to that podcast. But... I think yesterday I listened to that episode, actually. Oh, it was a good episode. she's got great books. Son of Zeus. Go buy it. Um, But uh, I, I'm, I also read Neon Gods recently. I've heard that um, one floating around Lord. a lot and I, I should probably take a look at it it is a lot of people are saying it's great and i just i don't totally know i'm just gonna dive in and just see for myself i guess i yeah absolutely i it is a quite the take on the myth i cannot recommend it enough it is extremely spicy um but uh i i was surprised and pleasantly so by by your choice to keep it grounded in in, in, in Greece. ancient times, in, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, in ancient times. Because um, I'm so used to like being like, okay, it's, don't worry, it's it's Hades, but he's a, the head of a major he's corporation. A yeah, and like, there's nothing yeah. wrong with that. Like, I love no. Laura Olympus so much. I can't even explain. Hell yeah. It's, every Saturday, it's like, that's, Saturday is Such me a good and day. my husband's like day, our couple day. Like, we're not working. We just go do stuff, whatever we're going to do. And like. It's so hard. Like, I, my phone will pop up. Like, Webtoons is like, it's out. And uh-huh. I'm like, it's so hard. But I'm like, I want to read this right now. <laughs> my so, heart starts to beat faster. Like, I, whenever I open up an episode, I'm like, oh, I'll just casually I read go this through whatever. It so and then the slow, moment I see the logo, like, I'm just like, I'm like <gasps> slowly scrolling. So I'm like, I want to make this last longer. <laughs> anyway, so there's nothing wrong with modern retellings, is what I'm saying. Like, I don't know. Pro- it's just not what I chose to do. I like ancient world stuff. I liked going to do the. You know, the the internet Google Foo research uh, on things. Mm -hmm. Just go on a tangent, learning about how to make a bronze sword, how they made it back in the day. Like, I literally was learning. I spent, like, three hours learning how to cast bronze swords so that I could write, like, one part of one little scene where one of Medusa's sisters is Because I'm like, well, she needs to be doing something in the scene. They can't just be standing there. So I'm like, okay, now I'm down a rabbit hole of research. (laughs) Absolutely. 100% understand that. Uh, I One of the very first books that I wrote um, was about a, it was about a healer. And that of course, I got so, so deep into like the research on herbalism and like how to, which I mind you, this healer had magical hands that didn't actually need any like assistance from it, outside but forces. But if you're a nerd like me, you're not going to just accept, well, because magic. Like, that's that's never, typical. Never. I mean, sometimes, I, I'll be honest, sometimes in a book the size of the mortal coil, I'm like, listen, I am not slow. This book is long enough. I'm not slowing down to explain all this stuff. People are just going to uh-huh. accept because gods, okay? But, like, most of the time, I try to, like, have some reasoning. <laughs> well, it's, it wasn't even just the reasoning. When I was reading your book, I loved the, the real tactile details that you included so subtly but constantly throughout like um i love the details about their clothing i love the the details about like the landscape and and just the 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 casual just like yeah even like the son of zeus gets tired because he walked all night right right. like it was just i mean he's still a man on some level you know what i mean i tried to like make that balance that like there's a lot of stuff he's gonna have to put he's still a mortal man 
But there's some stuff that I did yeah. give him as, you know, if he's half a god, he's got to get some kind. I'm also a video game ner- nerd. He's like, he's got to get yeah. some kind of bonuses. Like, so I, you know, yeah. we put in there, like, he can go longer without eating or sleeping than a normal person. He can breathe under, you know, he can hold his breath longer, which I don't know how far you got into the book, but that comes into play. <laughs> well, but I just, the reason I pointed out, because I hear people are saying, like, Abigail, of course, she included details like their clothing and like how long things took and like, yeah, like the smells and stuff. The reason I include it is because in so many of these books, the focus is not on the setting. It's not on the lifestyle. It's not on the wider world and how that would impact the personal experiences of the characters. It's about these like big bombastic elements of like, yeah, he's the son of Zeus. We're not going to talk about how his feet hurt because we got bigger things to deal with. Um, And so I found it very charming in this book that is very much grounded in like the personal struggles of these two huge characters I, I want people to um, feel it that we would get those like details. I want I yeah. want people to read it and like feel all that sensory stuff you know what I mean if he's like, it's gonna be in there that he's sweating or the you know clothes are gritting underneath of him but there's one scene where like he he sleeps on his his chitin so it's you know he puts it on the ground like a blanket but otherwise, though, he's not mm-hmm. has he does not have clothes on. And my editor point, she's like, uh, I will just say that I don't know how much you camp, but there's going to be bugs and all kinds of stuff. So I actually went back and wrote in that he wakes up and he's like, what is going like, oh, there's ants on me? Seriously? Like, can it, can it get any worse? But, uh, you know, I, want- I loved when he got bit by the crab, by the way. <laughs> that was very Oh, yeah, the, the crab. Like I said, I don't know if you got like halfway through the book, but you just keep an eye on that crab. <laughs> Never just a crab. <laughs> That's my motto. Um, yeah, I so I just, I, these books are, you write like a very, I wouldn't necessarily call them dark romance. I mean, they have really dark elements to it, but like, I classify dark romances as more of amoral. Sure. Well, and I, and I have some stuff like that. I've, I, I classify myself as dark-ish. I yeah. mean, I feel like in, yeah. in, in the, the dark world, there's the some justification. I feel like that, you know, arguments can be made. Some people will be like, well, it's still not cool what happens in this scene or that scene. Yeah. Um, I get it. I know a lot of my books have things in it that are, you know, problematic would be like the lightest term you could use for them. Yeah. But yeah, I, I don't know what to say other than like, it's, it's entertainment and I try to make it clear what you're getting in the blurb. So if you think this is not for yeah. me, then just head on out to some, you know, material that's less problematic, but. Absolutely. Well, like we were saying at the top of the podcast, right? Like there are. Many, 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 many thousands of romance novels right, that right. you can read. Any flavor you want, any, uh, any, any place on the morality spectrum you could ever ask for, you will find thousands of books that suit your needs. Um, so do not be afraid to put down a book that doesn't. Exactly. Um, and you know, I if you are a fan of mythic retellings, if you are a fan of romances that tackle a lot of angst and sort of darker elements without being like. I don't know. Like, bully romance for me is something I can't deal with because I feel like that's just somebody just being mean to somebody for no yeah, reason. Yeah, I've, I've but I read take one the... and I, like, it was, it was not, it was a, it was a well-written book, but my, yeah. I can't, most bully romances are, like, still the characters are really young and I just, yeah. I'm like, I'm like 40. I don't want to, I just, <laughs> no. it's exhausting I'm reading about someone who's, like, 17, 18 and... And yet their internal monologue sounds like some jaded person who's like worked retail for 20 years and has seen it all. Yeah. And I'm like, stop it. We, we were all idiots when we were 17. Like, let's not even front. Mm-hmm. Let's not even act like. 
So I, I, for me, I just can't get into it because I can't believe it. And so I'm just like, I, I yeah. don't read a lot of books about like super young people. At least not, ro- yeah. at least not romances. Like I could read a, you know, I can read Harry Potter. That's fine. But it's not, that's not what that yeah. is. No. And it's just, I, like we all have our lines and we all have the stuff that we enjoy. We all have stuff that we don't enjoy. Yeah. But I, I do enjoy angst. I do enjoy tackling, you know, harder problems. I do enjoy discussing, like... I've talked about on the podcast before, like with myths, now there's a sort of movement to kind of, I wouldn't say sanitize them so much as reclaim them to mean something more than just constant tragedy and sexual assault. If there's really um, a lot of that. There's really a lot of that. There's a lot of that. Yeah. There's a lot of that. Um, but that doesn't mean that there isn't still a place for confronting those things in the myths, which is something that you do very well. Nice. Um, so I, you know... Listen, there's a whole world right. of good romance to read out there. Yes. I highly recommend your Aww. books. I cannot wait to read the the Eighth House. I'm very excited. I didn't realize that I saw that until today. And I was like, God damn it, I'm not going to have time to read that ahead of time. But I'm going to get to it. I'm going to get there. I love me Hades and Persephone. I, I really I do, too. I will see what almost anybody is doing with it. I mean, you know, obviously sometimes mm-hmm. you go on Amazon, you're like, I'll read the sample. But... If the if they're if the prose isn't speaking to me, like I'm like I can't read 300 pages of this, then I, I yeah. won't. But I mean, I'm interested to see what everybody's doing with it. Like Laura Olympus. I don't. There's another uh, there's another comic called Punderworld, which is really, I haven't given that a it's try not as because long. I don't know if I can like. Oh yeah. So is it is it done? It, she's done one season, but the artist who does oh. it is like she is a comic book artist. Like she works for companies that make big like you know marvel not marvel but you know what i mean like like they make no comic book things so she is she has a whole nother series that she alternates on so she just restarted the next season of the other series she does which is also i feel like i followed i feel like i followed that artist years Mm -hmm. and years and years ago on deviant maybe it's possible when they were when they were doing um the other sunstone yeah yeah. i think that if that's not her I don't know if she does Sunstone or if that's her husband, because her they husband have... is also a comic book artist. So like, oh, because they—if not, they have identical. There's, I've noticed their styles are really close, especially the way that they draw women's faces. So I don't know if that's just what, like the noses. I don't know if that's you know what, what she looks about? like or like what I don't know. But uh, her Hades Persephone comic is also very cute. Yeah. It's just a different style. That hers is ancient world as opposed to like Laura yeah. Olympus, which is kind of a mishmash of gods and immortals in their world, but then also some modern stuff happening. Um, yeah. I don't know also if you've ever read, um, the first book in the series is Receiver of Many by Rachel Alexander, but if you like, no. if you're interested in an ancient world Hades Persephone, that, uh, but now I, let's all, all things aside, I'm friends with this person because she was also starting hers at the same time as I was on Literatica, but. We take, we take, uh, nepotism <laughs> But no, but podcast. it's awesome. Like she had, so she actually has a degree in the classics. So she, when I was reading her stuff, I'm like, I'm just like. Holy God, like she knows, she knows all the stuff. Like just, it was, it was daunting as another author to go, I will never write anything this good. But hers, <laughs> so hers, her 80s Persephone is really good. There's two books out of it now. Um, and it, there's a third one that's supposed to come out early next year, but I think you can read up to the end of the second one and it's not like super cliffhanger, but hers yeah. are real. they're really super good. And if you want to read someone that's like educated in that topic, like, she knows her stuff and she's done a really awesome, awesome job of it. I love that. I love that. Well, we gotta we gotta spread the love here. I I uh 
I love getting new recs for the stuff that I... Like, listen, I know it's all kind of the same. Like, we all know the stories, but they're always so good. Hers is very like, complex. I really... So I just... It's it's really good. Mine, mine's per, mine's pretty awesome. linear. Like... <laughs> I um I I would not I definitely would recommend you you pick up Amalia Dillon's I will books. I will um she has her own very unique um incredibly personal uh relationship with these stories and it kind of it reads in every word she has like a lot of subtext with her own spiritual journey uh with with um polytheism mm-hmm. and just ah just. Get on Amalia Dillon's books, y'all. They're so good. They're so good. Also, they've got wonderful romance in them. Um, some mostly, sometimes, just sometimes. Don't read the epilogue. <laughs> I, I remember her saying that on there. She's like, <laughs> yeah. if you want him to just have a happy for now, just just chill by the epilogue. Just don't even <laughs> worry about it. Don't worry about it. Um, yes, but I think that that is a good place to end today. We've we've talked about. Uh, your your good stuff your new release and the mortal coil which i'm gonna have the links to everything below um as well as to your social media and your website where you can find everything um and then we we uh we also broke down how terrible publishing is right now which is always fun yeah um is there anything you wanted to add here at the end before we do our pluggables um but uh, suddenly I've done nothing in my whole life. Just my entire that's, brain you know, is that's blank fair. right now. Um, yeah, yeah if, I've also If you're interested nothing. in the Moral Goyle, like I said, if you haven't read any mythology, fantasy is, uh, it, you could just read it as a fantasy. You don't have to know stuff. Yeah. If you do, cool. You know what I mean? And then you'll get all the Easter eggs and stuff. Yeah. It's, it's it's long, so don't try to read it in one day unless you're trying to like kill yourself, I guess. Uh, you know, like- Unless, unless you're me. Uh, did, you re- did you read the whole thing? I wrote very close. Okay, okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm almost just like done. good, good gravy. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I, my, I fell asleep last the night. The pressure like was on. Just like I my my phone like this close to my face, and finally I was like, I. Should I like it when the, the Kindle like whacks me in the forehead. I'm like, okay, yeah. all right, I'm. It's done. It's done. My eyeballs are being fried. So. Um, yeah, no, I mean, definitely, definitely get these books. Um, I deeply enjoyed The Mortal Coil. Like, it, it, of course, you were very clear about, like, uh, trigger warnings up front. Yeah. Um, you know, there's definitely, like, like we said, we're dealing with myths that have a lot of really troubling material in them. Um, and you don't shy away from that, even as you, like... You make some people very badass. <laughs> yeah, I was saying, if you want to, um, if you want to, like... It, it, it's for people who want to see Medusa as get her happy ending, first of all. Mm-hmm. And if you like the idea of her as a vigilante, like I can say that without being spoilery because it happens pretty quick. Uh, oh I decided my God. not to make her... Well, so there's actually a version of the, the Gorgon myth that the sisters yeah. actually live somewhere in Africa and that they lead a group of women. And so, so I was good. using parts of that. And I'm like, so what if she's using her power to go be a vigilante over, you know, men who are rapists and who are horrible people. She goes like full superhero, like dark superhero. And it's great. She's like Gorgon it's Batman. Wonderful. So I, I wanted to make yeah. her be doing something. Like she's not just chilling on some island somewhere because that was such a problem in the original myth too. Cause it's just like, she's literally doing nothing. And Perseus shows she's up. She's hiding in a cave. Yeah, I'm like, you could have just left her there and she would have been fine. But oh no, Perseus is like, I'm going to show up and cut her head off. So 
I was not having any of that. Yeah. So. <laughs> no, it was. I loved the reintroduction right. of Medusa in in what is it the second chapter uh, when she's just kind of like slipping around in the do- in, in the, the dark. Like, yeah, am I here yeah. or am I here? Right, right. You bit like I'm like I have to have these two like meet each other at some point early because it's gonna be a while before he gets onto that island. <laughs> it was it was okay. wonderful. I I was. I kind of figured that that's where we were going, that she was going to be a vigilante. But to, but to go so hard, like, she is she is a vigilante. She is bad. Yeah, she's literally, she's literally looking for nonsense to happen and stopping it in, in mid-nonsense. <laughs> so good. Terrifying everyone around yeah. her. And it's wonderful. Um, so definitely read those books. Um, but uh you need to do pluggables you have other things to plug not just the mortal coil out now. <laughs> yeah I, I i do have other books out as well uh most of my stuff mm-hmm. is fantasy or speculative fiction of some flavor i have a couple of historical i have some things in like mm-hmm. old age of piracy i have like oh i have, I, I did see the i have books one and I was contemporary like, oh, no. book and everybody keeps wanting more of that and i like i don't i don't know if i have a lot more of it in me but bass Ackwards is a popular contemporary book i wrote that is a book where fantastic most title. people uh the, the most common comment I get is, I almost DNF'd this book. Like, I read the first chapter and I nearly DNF'd, I nearly oh. threw this book across the room. But I always tell you, if you can get to the beginning of chapter two, you'll be okay. <laughs> like, but the first chapter is like the most problematic. That's why I don't write in contemporary, because a lot of the problematic content I want to write, it's even more cringy when it's now, because people should know better. There's no historical yeah. context for any kind of excuse for that. So it's re- it's yeah. really, you're just like, oh my God, is this real? Is this horrible? Why is this happening? Um, so if you can get by the first chapter, it'd be okay. It's kind of a comedy, but it's it's wildly inappropriate. That's what I like to say. So anyway, I have a variety of things. All, right. um, all my stuff is on Amazon right now. So as far as I know, everything is in Kindle Unlimited. So if you're a KU person, you can get all in there. Um, I, they just upped you to 20 books you can you can have at one time. I saw that reason. I've seen that going around the reader sphere that suddenly you can have way more KU books. So I, I do have a website. It's erisadderly.com. Eris is E-R-I-S. And Adderley is with two Ds. Adderley with a Y at the end. <laughs> um, I am on Twitter at Eris Adderley. I'm not on there a whole lot. If you, if you actually want to interact and talk about books or what have you, uh, the best place to find me is on Facebook. I have a private Facebook group that is called Eris Adderley's Home for Wayward Troublemakers. So it's kind of a long name, but there's links to it on my Facebook page. I mean, it's easy, it's easy mm-hmm. enough to find. So uh, that is that is mostly where I can be found. The normal places, but Facebook is where I'm at mostly. So. All oh, right. and, I also, and then you also, I also of course. Write under an alternate pen name as well. I would oh. say is Octavia Hyde. Uh, there's one book out under Octavia Hyde right now, but I am currently working on the second one. So. But that is my weird pet. So if you didn't think the Mortal Coil was weird enough, Octavia Hyde is my te- <laughs> Octavia Hyde is my tentacle alien pen name. So that is the, the pen name where I have the, the weird weird stuff. So oh my god, I have I've read your <laughs> did you read Nepenthe? Yeah. I'm yeah, so sorry for foisting that upon you. But <laughs> yeah, so I'm working on the second Nepenthe right now. That's getting started, and then I was like, why does that sound so familiar? The voice and sounds like, familiar. Oh my god. Oh my god, no, I've definitely, I've absolutely that's read funny. that. <laughs> so okay. yeah, that's also me. Um, it When I first, it was a secret for a while, but then I like, I didn't merge the band names, but it's it's no longer a secret. My main website has a link. Yeah. So Octavia Hyde, yeah, if you like tentacle aliens, that's that's there. More are coming. That's Much wonderful. more are coming. I love that. I'm so tickled. <laughs> that's fantastic. Oh man, that's so good. Um, And of course... At the end here, you do have your podcast. Yes, we do. We do. Uh, it's the Not Safe for Work Romance podcast. Um, 
Again, all the all the usual places you would think to follow us. If we have a Facebook page. We have a, a Twitter. The Twitter is at Romance NSFW. Um, so and you do a lot of like crafts. We it's kind there, of a yes. mix. So it's like authors or readers could listen to it. I mean, there's some stuff that okay. authors would be interested in because we do or we are talking craft. But there's a lot of stuff that mm-hmm. I think if there's readers who are super like they want to hear behind the scenes, like what goes into stuff that they could be into it. It's a long form podcast. So, I mean, our things run like an hour and 45 minutes. So it's a good podcast to put on if you're like puttering around the house or commute. It's myself and my co-host Shane Starrett, who's a one of the very few male romance authors. And he writes awesome books himself. Wonderful. All right. We'll check that out, y'all. Sounds awesome. good. Okay, so it's my pluggable time. Yes. Um, man, if you've listened to this podcast before, you know. You know what's up. I'll just run through the, the easy stuff fast, and then we're going to get to the actual important stuff at the end here. All right. You can find me at Kingdom Thirst everywhere except for the places that I'm not. Sorry. Um, I am on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. You, I, you can find me most often on Twitter, but I'm everywhere. I'll see it. Um, and then uh, we have a Discord uh, that the link is below. It's the Citizens of Thirst Discord server. It's full of ne'er-do-wells and degenerates. Love them. Um, but we also have a merch store. It's kingdomthirst.redbubble.com. We have a aliens more like aliens uh mug and sticker and what all then we've also got an oh boise sticker slash hat slash backpack because it just made me laugh uh spoilers most of what i do for this podcast is based solely on whether or not i laugh at it and and so yeah that's pretty much a given um so get those if you like that uh but most importantly i want to say that we have our birthday month coming up and that is october um now october is going to have four super special episodes to celebrate kingdom of thirst one year anniversary slash birthday um we're gonna be doing a lot of really cool stuff there's a lot of like fan requested and anticipated episodes and crossover events and all this stuff um but most importantly there are two episodes that i need fan participation for First is going to be a listener request episode. Now, like I said, my fans are generally degenerates and ne'er-do-wells. And they have asked me, you know, uh, they have asked me to do various things in the past, like read dirty limericks and old-timey lists of words for genitals, stuff like that. Um, Obviously, I can't make a whole episode out of that. But what I can do is make a fan request episode full of a bunch of different things. So if there's ever been something you really, really wanted me to do, if you had an idea for a bit you wanted me to try out, if you had a weird article you wanted me to read, send it to kingdomwithurst.gmail.com and that very well may make it into our listener request episode. Second thing is... If any of you out there have any feelings at all about Twilight, (laughs) I'm talking weird memories. I'm talking grievances. I'm talking its effect on publishing. I'm talking how it changed your life or didn't. Um, Anything at all. If you are affected by Twilight, I need you to send in a wave file or an mp3 of you talking about that thing now it can be recorded on your phone it can be whatever it doesn't have to be pretty um if you would send that to kingdomathurst at gmail.com i would be super appreciative i need those by the last week of october um so that would be super dope of you if you could please do that so thank you 
Thank you, thank you. And that's about all I've got. That was a lot, but, you know, whatever. (laughs) All right, we're going to sign off here. Thank you again, Eris, for being on the podcast. This has been so much fun. Thank you for having me on Um, here. Yeah, definitely. You you can come back anytime. Nice. I'm going to come harass you on social media now. (laughs) Well, that's, I mean, somebody's got to. (laughs) All right. Uh, You will hear my voice again next Wednesday. Sorry. Uh, And uh, hit me up. All right.